Live from the next cast for Anthropological Institute, it's about an hour of karaoke. We're talking about Disney fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the season finale of Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. Hope you've enjoyed uh, season three. Mm-hmm. We certainly have enjoyed recording it. But today, to finish it off, we are talking about fans of Disney. I'm Nick G, by the way. And here with me to also talk about fans of Disney are Nick T. I am definitely a level 10 bard this episode. And Nick Z. I am uh, putting on my Mickey Mouse ears and my uh, my goofy mask and uh, grabbing my my bag with a dollar sign on it. That's what we're doing here, right? What does the mask look like? <laughs> it, well, it's got a goofy snout, so I'm kind of far away from the mic, mic right now. It's, oh, a mask uh, of goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a silly mask. No, no. I mean, this is Disney. We're trying to say about goofy. You got some beef? Some beef with goofy? I'm just saying he makes me laugh. That's good. Okay. Waltz, oh, Waltz bait. Be happy. bait. <laughs> <laughs> and I see K E Y P O D C A S T. You were like, what are you trying to say about Goofy? And then I said, he makes me laugh. And I wanted you to be like, oh, he makes you laugh? Like a, like a clown? <laughs> like he's here to amuse you? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I can, I can by Disney, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I can go grab my Joe Pesci mask if that helps. Do you mean that? No, I'm not going there. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, Joe Pesci mask time is over. I'm afraid. Uh, Oof. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we all know Jim Carrey is the mask, <laughs> or Eric Stoltz. I'm not or sure. I was which. about to say Eric Stoltz. Yeah, there you go. I actually remembered that. Oh man, has nothing to do with the thing I watched on Rick and Morty the other day. Let's, uh, let's just do deep references for an hour. No, please not. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Hey, uh, I think it's time for that part of the show where we give some fan facts. Fandom facts. Whew. Dodged a bullet there. As G mentioned, we are talking about fans of Disney this week. And as we all came to realize very quickly, Disney is really, really, really big. It's big, you guys. It's very mm-hmm. big. Um, so the, some of the data I have is going to be talking about Disney as a whole, which is the giant media company. But today we will probably be focusing primarily on the animated movies. A little bit on the theme parks? Oh, a little bit on the theme parks and um, maybe a little bit on TV shows. I'm not 100% sure, but probably focusing in that area, which itself is already quite large. Yeah. So the Walt Disney Company... Uh, was founded in 1923 by Walt and his brother Roy O. Disney, and they've created hundreds. I tried to find an exact number of how many different movies and whatnot. I, I couldn't find a cohesive, concise answer. Oh, dang. But suffice to say, hundreds of live-action and animated television and films, various radio music, theme parks, and published works as well. It established itself as a leader in the American animation industry, and has only since grown from its humble beginnings during the silent film era to the extravaganza we see today. In terms of names, I couldn't find a hugely conclusive name. Disnerds seem to have come up a bit. Um, Mouseketeers 
was a confusing one because there's already a group. Like it was a show, right? Yes. The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, probably fans of Mickey Mouse, etc. Yeah. There was um, Diz Kids, which I thought was not even helpful. <laughs> like I would just go with Disney fans. I think for the purposes of covering, like covering everyone here, we're probably just going to go with Disney fans. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of subsections out there. Yeah. This week, since we're covering something as broad as Disney, I decided to look into what are the most popular Disney movies, the animated Disney movies, I should say. Um, which one do you think is the first? Frozen. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> uh, right? Oh, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> Frozen. Um, I collected the top 10 Disney movies. As it turns out, they occupy 10 of the top 21 slots in terms of animated movies. Holy crow. Yep. Wow. Uh, using highest grossing animated film as a proxy for popularity, which I, I think is pretty reasonable. Um, Frozen is the number one. <laughs> uh, Toy Story 3 is in third, uh, although it had previously been a number one spot. Finding Dory is fourth. Um, Finding Dory? Finding Dory, yep. Wow, okay. Which has never been any higher than fourth. I think there's kind of a recency bias a little Ooh, bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zootopia in fifth. The Lion King in seventh, which had previously been first at some point. Yep. Finding Nemo, which had also previously been first at some point. Inside Out in 13th. Monsters University in 17th. Uh, Up in 18th. And Big Hero 6 in 21st. Wow. So yes, definitely recency bias. (laughs) Also inflation. (laughs) Oh yeah, inflation too. (laughs) Moana... um, was in 22nd place, but it fell just outside, and it's actually, like, the newest one relative to all of those. Dang. Yeah. Well, there should be number one, because it's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I mean, I know you guys have a little bit of a Lin-Manuel Miranda bias <laughs> going on there. <laughs> I, that didn't begin until after I saw Moana. Oh, Ooh. interesting. And entirely because of it. <laughs> Stay tuned for a future episode on fans of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ooh. I mean, probably. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so yeah. much we can stave it off. Uh, okay, in terms of the size of the fandom, um, and this was also hard to find, I found a post on the Disney Parks blog that as of 2010, there are over 100 million fans across all the Disney pages. In 2013, from a different source, there are over 500,000 Facebook fans. I found out that in 2011, there were 17.1 million visitors to the Magic Kingdom in Florida. And like that already gives you a pretty big idea of how many people out there love Disney. Yeah, that's a lot of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Even if you take a subset of that as like really dedicated, passionate fans that we like to talk about on the show, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is still more than a lot of countries. Yeah. Uh, more than Canada. Yep. What would happen if you put a bunch of Disney fans and had them run a country. Everyone would have a castle. <laughs> like, is anybody going to be a hardcore Disney fan running a country and not want to be the one who has the castle? I don't know. People who are hardcore fans of Snow White might want to have like a little, uh, a little hut and live with seven people. <laughs> I mean, if you liked Atlantis, you could all just live together in some sort of pseudo, I don't know how that, I've seen that movie, mm. but I don't know how this society worked. I mean, I guess you could share a castle. With property values these days. <laughs> In this economy. Oof. 
In terms of changes in the fandom, uh, relative to itself, interest in Disney has been actually on a slow decline. Um, there was a, a high point in around December of 2006, but using Google Trends data, it's been declining to about half as much uh, interest as when Google Trends started back in 2004. Really? Mm. That could just be because Disney's saturated everything. Like, I tried using a couple yeah. different terms, like Disney, Pixar, uh, DreamWorks, just for comparison's sake, then just focusing on, like, the animation studios and whatnot. And the trend was pretty similar. Also, Disney vastly outweighs searches for Pixar and DreamWorks. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's not a lot of mystery about Disney. Like, I mean, you know, there people need to know stuff about, like, specific aspects of it specific movies or or properties or if you're traveling to the theme park but like i don't know it's just like it's so ubiquitous people are like i don't need to <laughs> find out more about disney mm-hmm. i mean probably not no no i inadvertently found out that uh the prestige is a movie that is produced by disney through one of what? its yep through oh. one of its many um other owned film studios uh touchstone pictures Hmm. My new favorite Disney movie. <laughs> I know, right? I like the prestige a lot. So it's one of my favorite movies. I had an important thing revealed to me, which as you know about Christopher Nolan movies kind of changes things. Oh, well that's too bad. I mean, I think you'd still enjoy it, but like that's I did enjoy it. It just felt very obvious. Like I'm not sure if it's because I had that revealed or because I don't know. They spent a lot of time. You know what? It's not important. It's not important. One thing that is important about that, uh, about learning that The Prestige is a Disney movie, to me anyway, is that uh, you could then make a valid argument for Nikola Tesla being a Disney prince. No, I don't think you could. No? <laughs> I'd li- I, would li- I would like to hear it, actually. <laughs> well, before Nikola we find Tesla out... Nikola Tesla is not a prince. <laughs> before we find well, out about by that... Ver- by virtue or by morals, perhaps. I came across some interesting <laughs> fan terms. Oh, yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, one which I think ties in very well to that sort of discussion. One was ODP. Any of you guess what that means? One Disney pairing? Okay, good good guess. I'm using information I already have to try. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Disney princess? Uh, Z, you are closest. Official Disney princess. Okay. Oh, this is the strangest way to bring this into a segment. I was at work and somebody brought up Disney princesses and we actually talked for like 20 or 30 minutes in our pod at work about Disney wow. princesses. And he was talking about like what constitutes an official Disney princess. Uh, I could not find the rules for that, but there is apparently some discussion among the fans about what makes one. Mm-hmm. I have a great thread here from Reddit. Oh, perfect. I'll just like pepper them in as we're talking okay i only found three things definitively and then i forgot all the other points that were brought up in our earlier discussion um one is that the princess is either royalty or marries into royalty mm-hmm. uh the other one is that the princess is human ish mm-hmm. so ariel qualifies mermaids are close enough and one of the other important parts being they were in a popular movie which i think is based on yeah. some manner of sales um, yeah. my, okay, this thread is from 11 months ago talking about it. Okay, pretty recent. So it's before Moana came out. But Anna and Elsa are not included because they are so popular they get yeah. their own like designation. They are not featured in advertisements or merchandise with the other Disney princesses. They're like super princesses? I Yeah. So like worth noting is that Disney has an official like Disney princesses line of merchandise. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. And so why would you sell like a package of 12 dolls with Anna and Elsa when you can sell them for the same price? That is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really goofy reason, but like the decisions <laughs> for making Disney princesses canonically is an entirely economic one. <laughs> also, Mulan does not fit into those criteria. Nope. Although people argue that she should because of like how honorable she is. And because she has the favor of the emperor, but not uh, not a princess as such. Yeah. We know that royalty is a meritocracy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, according to the unofficial uh, princess neighbors, valor or title is a valid way to become a, uh, a princess. By that logic, I'm not sure that Nikola Tesla really fits. He's definitely not royalty or marries into royalty. He's got the valor. He's got that Does valor. He? Sure, he's he's a moral. He invented gent, a horrible thing, but he wants to. <laughs> but he's inventing a power of sorts that's that's safer than uh, than Edison's wild DC direct current. I don't know if he made it out of the goodness of his heart. Tesla isn't killing elephants, is what I'm saying. Just can I say this? Digging deeper. You, you've got this. Just killing Hugh Jackman's. I also found out there's a, a term for some fans of Disney called Pixie Dusters. Did either of you come across this? No. So I was reading this this article on BuzzFeed about Disney fans and in particular talking about um, their big fan expo like D23. It's like D12 but with 11 more. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's nothing like that. It's their big fan event that's really more about the fans than it is about the merchandise and announcements as, mm. in as much as those things are important. Um Pixie Dusters are the fans who kind of believe that Disney is all good. They believe wholeheartedly in the purity of the Walt Disney Company and that it represents the peak of goodness and family values. And that to sully or criticize Disney is an act of heresy punishable by nonstop harassment on the internet. Man, oh man. Oh boy. In contrast to the frothers or foamers, uh, who are on the other end of the spectrum and are very much get-off-my-lawn obsessives, that uh, they criticize everything Disney does for not being as good or as respectful as its glory days. Oh, what's that like? <laughs> Person who thinks that things were better in the past. Are you up on your wrestling high horse? Um, it, it is not a high horse. <laughs> not high at all. No, no, no. Wrestling is actually better than it's ever been, to be honest. Oh. No, just like you're never not going to have people being like, well, it was better when I started being into whatever thing <laughs> or the or the one i saw first that's fair the only other thing i found out about disney fandom is that there are over eighteen thousand disney fanfics uh on archive of our own hmm. which strangely is not dramatically higher than some of the other fandoms we've talked well about. well there might be a lot like you know under a lot of disney properties yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me because so many of the properties have their own vibrant fandoms to them if a lot of the fanfic just happens on things like LiveJournal, like in private groups. That could be. Mm -hmm. Fanfic.net and like our have of our own is like the biggest resources we have. Yeah. Yeah. Of trying to figure that out without blog diving. <laughs> I mean, that's why there are people who have academic lives that pick a very small subset of one of the topics that we might cover. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Speaking of topics that we might cover, last week... We had some famous last words that I was wondering if we might be able to revisit. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Sure. 
I'm ready. Well, I'm going to start with you, Z, because you're actually at the top of the list. You're number one. You're number one on the oh, board. Ooh. On the east side, yes. On the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> references. Oh, I'm like a Disney movie up in here. Z, your famous last words from last week were, and I'm paraphrasing because you have a tendency to ramble a little bit. Yep. Um, the people who are part of or are waiting to be part of the secret Disneyland club underneath Main Street, dot, 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 the people who are part of that club are not real Disney fans. Alternatively, real Disney fans aren't interested in alcohol. Thank you, G, for summarizing that, by the way. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, did you find any truth to your statement? It is, it is a difficult thing to verify. Begin rambling now. Um, <laughs> first, I'll just, I just want to preface all this with like some very basic facts about the actual secret club. Um, it is called Club 33. It is actually not underground. I think I was confusing it with the tunnels that the actors used to get around. Um, but it is in Disneyland. The original Club 33 is just out in plain sight. Anybody can see it if they know what to look for because it is in New Orleans Square and it is marked by a door, of course, that has an ornate number 33 beside it. That's it. If you remember, you go up, you, uh, you hit the buzzer, you like swipe your card across whatever reader they have and then if your membership is in good standing you can go in if not well i guess you just don't get to go in i don't think they i don't think they kick you out or anything like <laughs> pete doesn't like jump out they from un- behind a bush boot you in the behind or <laughs> trip you until you fall in the mud or anything no they don't just play some goofy-esque sound effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> They don't poke you with a pin in the butt and then you go, <laughs> you go flying. No, no. The Magic Kingdom isn't quite that magical yet. But, and there could be some truth to G's point that uh, Disney fans might not be interested in alcohol or people interested in alcohol might not be interested in Disney because one of the one of the big draws of Club 33 is that it's, it's the only place in Disneyland, the park itself, where you can get alcohol officially. But there's so much more than that because, because, according to Wikipedia, and I found another source that was a few years old, so I'm kind of discounting it, but according to Wikipedia, an individual membership in Club 33 will cost you a cool $50,000. Whoa! With a, uh, an annual due that needs to be paid to keep your membership in good standing of $15,000. So if you if you really like your booze that much, <laughs> great. But uh, even with all that, you still have to pay for the alcohol that you consume in there. Coffee and, and soft drinks and whatever, of course, are included. But uh, the hard stuff, old Mickey's got to have his dues. For your Mickey's. Oh, indeed. Indeed. But aside from the alcohol uh, aspect to it, there's just like this big air of exclusivity I should think so. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, along with the price, apparently there is a something like a 10-year waiting list to get in. Uh, they opened up the membership a little bit, but at the same time, they've also closed it because members in the past have taken advantage of the uh, the perks and sometimes have sold them or given them to people who then have turned around and given them to charities, which for some reason Disney doesn't Disney like. Is... <laughs> That's right. Come after me, you fairy dusters. Shaking my fist. 
<laughs> but there's that air of exclusivity because not only is the cost of membership super high, but the walls, the, de- the decorations and everything, it's just packed with Disney props and like cells, original cells from the animated movies. Can you just um, take one? No. For the <laughs> no. price? <laughs> no. No, they're they're probably like nailed down and then the nails are probably bolted into the wall or something ridiculous. And it is apparently decorated with uh, antique Renaissance furniture that Walt's wife Lillian collected. Oh. So, I mean, there's that aspect to it as well. It's supposed to be, I mean, like, doesn't say what you will about, about Disney in general or whatever, but it like, from the sounds of it, this Club 33 is super classy, but with like that Disney we'll sprinkle a Disney magic as well. The other thing to bring up, the other thing to note, is that because it's so exclusive, it is also a place where if you happen to go or happen to be invited by somebody, you might see a president, you might see a celebrity, you might see a foreign dignitary there, because apparently it's a place where, where the big wigs like to rub elbows. So... Hmm. And some of them are Disney fans, but as we've said before in the podcast, to be a fan of a thing, you just have to like it. So maybe they, they've seen one Disney movie and they like it. Maybe they, they just like Mickey Mouse because for a while he was the most recognizable like icon in the world. Mm-hmm. Or at least one of the top five. I believe the Coca-Cola logo is also... It's up there. In that company, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one more thing. From the perspective of fans who themselves admit that the prices are pretty ridiculous and they'll never be able to afford them, I got the sense that being invited by somebody who is a member, because that's a thing that can happen, is like this sort of ultimate attainment for a Disney fan. To get that invite, maybe even someday to be able to afford that membership, to like experience that last locked away piece of Disneyland. So when you get invited, how much does that cost? Free. You're just there. Free? But there's a strict dress code. You can't have your cell phone. That was the part I was about to ask about. <laughs> any inappropriate behavior of any kind is like grounds to just be kicked out. This is like the club that Mycroft likes going to. <laughs> you're like, like the drones club where you're not allowed to talk or anything. <laughs> Everyone oh, just sits there reading the paper. You, you can talk, Sort I'm of sure. in the same room as each other. <laughs> You can, can you talk, do swears? I'm sure, I'm sure. No. No, you can't do swears. Is that a rule? Is that really a rule? It is, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I mean, like, a lot of the exclusivity doesn't just come from the price. Originally, and this could potentially tie into the name Club 33, because it could be named Club 33 because that's the street address that it's at. It could be Club 33 because of uh, the 33 corporations that originally sponsored Disneyland in the 60s, which for the record, included Pepsi and Coke. Ooh. So a little, little conspiracy theory there, maybe, yeah. Um, it could be Club 33 because Walt Disney was rumored to be a 33rd degree Mason. It could be Club 33 because if you uh, turn 33 counterclockwise 90 degrees, it kind of looks like MM. So the name is a little weird, but the, the corporate connection there is is what gave it its original exclusivity because it was like this VIP lounge for the people who helped make Disney possible that was just for them. Hmm. And then slowly over the years opened up more and more first to the very wealthy paying public and then sort of to the general public. Now, now only the 
merely pretty wealthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at first in the 60s, it would have been like maybe the, the one percenters. Now it's like the 10 percenters. You know, it's, yeah. it's diversifying. As per the, the statement that they're not real Disney fans, it seems like... they got to be. <laughs> there are places you can go to that are like that, that are not Disney-themed, that don't cost you that yes. much. Yes, 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 exactly. Whether they are hardcore fans who, like, spend every moment that they're not at Club 33 writing fanfic about, like, uh, Elsa and Spider-Man having babies or whatever, or they're just people who show up at the park, have some fun on the rides, and then, you know, go to Epcot Center to write whatever... My geography of yeah. Disney is very, very uh, <laughs> non-existent. The point is, I think that they are real Disney fans. Yeah. I can hear the air quotes. Yeah. It's fine. Yep. What an interesting little history about like a tiny piece of Disney World land. Mm -hmm. Is it just in one of them? It was originally just in the one, um, but... In Florida? Disney, Disney World? In California. Disneyland, actually. Right, in because California. New Orleans... What? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I mean, okay, having been to Disney World, I don't remember uh, Main Street USA that much, but I do remember seeing like pictures of Disneyland and it's mm -hmm. it has that very iconic like Main Street that looks like a like a Disney movie yeah. or the beginning of the Muppets, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The Muppets also now owned by Disney. <laughs> man oh man. But it is also a thing in uh Disney Shanghai and Disney Tokyo. It is soon to be, or may already be, a thing in four other parks yeah. stateside. Hmm. Slight, slight fun fact, you know, amusing fact perhaps. In uh, Disney Tokyo and Disney Shanghai, it is simply on the their equivalents of uh, Main Street USA, which I think is like Mickey Avenue or something along those lines. Sorry, I was just reminded that we haven't done an episode on the Muppets yet. Ooh. Yet. No. I mean, also, adding to the exclusivity, membership is non-transferable. Oh. Hence, when they gave it away to charity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you're a membership of the uh, the Disneyland Club 33, you can't go to Shanghai. Oh, I see. Club 33 and say, hey, I'm a member. They'll check the list or whatever, and they'll, they'll say no. Can it be passed down through generations? Yes, it can. <laughs> the fact that you have an answer for every little sarcastic quip that I'm making makes me really... <laughs> According to this one article on the uh, perhaps appropriately named website, The Richest, some people who have a, I guess, dynastic membership in Club 33 are of the opinion that it is becoming watered down and isn't as good as it used to be. <laughs> of course they would say that. <laughs> it's not as good as it was when I didn't come here. <laughs> Gee, your famous last words from last week were, does Disney have a formal code of conduct with fans? For example, no dressing as characters in parks. Do they keep a distance with certain fans? I did, I did look up this specific... Uh... Uh, I, I know that Disney doesn't allow people to wear costumes that are too similar, and I think that's something that we'd kind of mentioned on last episode. Yeah. But I, but I don't know if they have like a Star Wars, Star Trek-esque... Here's our code of conduct, our fan liaison, etc. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, I was almost thinking of the Disney bound at that time, and that might be the biggest. Like, like I do know that, like, priority for certain things are given to kids. Like, kids can dress up yeah. as Disney characters. Because they, they won't be confused with someone who works there. 
But the other thing I learned about was uh, Disney pin trading. Disney pin okay. trading? Yes. Disney produces a lot of enamel pins ah. uh, for various events and characters and movies and things, mainly sold at Disney parks. And there are a huge community of people who trade them. Hmm. You can buy you can buy them on Amazon <laughs> for what equates to a dollar a pin. Hmm. Pin trading is basically anyone who's got a lanyard, a guest or a cast member oh. who has a lanyard what? with some pins on, you can trade. So I've got to ask then, is that like a clever way to get people interacting with the staff? Um, maybe. I mean, I feel like they don't have a problem with people interacting with the staff. Well, no. No, I mean, it's just like... Well, it, an adult may not be excited to see Mickey Mouse. Is that what you're getting at? Like, Well, I mean, maybe not, but maybe maybe they would be. But maybe it would also be a cool story to say, oh, hey, I got this pin from like, I don't know, I got this pin from Aladdin, and then I traded it to uh, to Belle for this one. I mean, that that's certainly part of it. It did takes on like a little story yeah at the park the rule is there's no money exchange for pins mm. between people i think you can buy them at the shops but right uh there's no no illicit deals yeah. or anything like that <laughs> so you got to trade pin for pin oh due to the sheer amount of pins people tend to like focus on particular sets mm. the ones that have like hidden mickey logos in them <laughs> you know collect your favorite characters your favorite movie mm-hmm Collecting older pins, collect ones that are celebrating like more historical situations. And they have cast members that have green lanyards, which are just f- for them to trade with kids. Oh. Oh. Cool. Yeah. That's a neat little thing. Yeah. So that's like kind of the emphasis of Disney, that kids are having a good time. Yeah. Other than that, I didn't find any like really strict rules for, for the company interacting with fans. Okay. I found some information on how to be a Disney princess. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Well, because when I was doing the research, I kept coming across this, like, I was trying to figure out what the requirements are for a Disney princess in the movies. And I kept getting, like, theories, but I didn't find the thread that's like, this is what we think it is. I did keep searching for Disney princess requirements. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, ended up finding information on what it takes to be a cast member who is a Disney princess. Uh, which, Mm -hmm. Which kind of ties into your code of conduct, because I imagine people that kind of fit this bill are like, okay, definitely you cannot do that. (laughs) Yes. So there is this article on Disney Fanatic, 13 inscrutable requirements to be a princess at Disney parks. Interesting things. Uh, Disney princesses have to be between 5'4 and 5'7. Wow. To preserve the character and the costume fitting. The biggest size for a princess costume is size 10. I don't know how women's sizing works, but I understand that that is not very large. Uh, not especially, no. No. They have to be at least 18 years of age and ideally are between 18 and 23. There are some that are uh, between 24 to 26, usually people who have been working there for a while, but are rarely seen over the age of 27. It's like being an MTV VJ. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Apparently, they can't tell anyone who they are. Like, you can't say on social media, like, oh, my God, I'm I'm Cinderella. Uh, oh, really? Nope. Can't tell anyone on social media. So it's yet another secret that the Disney Corporation is keeping from us. Dude, what? what? I mean, <laughs> the identity of those specific people. That's right. I don't know. Disney has a lot of rules. Yes. Understandably. Maybe that's their key to their success. Who knows? I'm sure they see it that way. Probably, yeah. 
Yeah, but apparently there are a lot of requirements like that. And I've seen lots of things on Imager about people running into Disney princess, like as cast members who aren't princesses, like going to the bathroom and finding like a Disney princess in the <laughs> bathroom stall, mm. like throwing up mm. from all the partying or whatever, like what, just anything. But they can't let anyone see that. Yeah. Yeah. My question was the stupid question that I asked because it's very broad was, is it possible to not be a fan of Disney considering its reach? The answer is no. I don't care what the actual answer is. It's not possible. <laughs> Do you like Marvel? You like Disney. Do you like <laughs> Muppets? You like Disney. Do you like Mickey Mouse? Well, yeah, you like Disney. Why Why well, did you not? I mean, I mean, I think there's a distinction between are you a Disney fan versus do you like a thing that Disney owns? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. The, the owns is part of that for me. It's got to be something they created. I mean, I guess you didn't stop watching Marvel movies when Disney bought it. I don't no. know. Maybe, it, I, maybe I guess did. you could say that's... Some people might have. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I had a second question, which I actually looked into. Because it was more meaningful, which is, what is the biggest difference between fandoms within Disney? Are there Disney fans who hate each other? <laughs> the closest I came was coming up with those uh, pixie dusters and and uh, foamers and, and whatnot. But I found a couple other things. I found out that there were Disney TV co-stars that hated each other. Ooh. Ooh. That wasn't quite what I was looking for. So there was a lot of Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez not liking other cast members. You'll never guess which famous Disney cast members hated each other on set. <laughs> uh, but in- Number four will blow your mind. <laughs> Hello and welcome to BuzzFeed. We're the <laughs> Try Guys. No, we're not. We're definitely not. Nope. 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 The closest I found was in that same article about um, D23. It mentions there are rivalries in the fandom, sub-communities that race to get news first and snipe at their different approaches to appreciating Disney but it didn't elaborate as to the different groups. So all I know is that there are people that are like, you don't worship at the altar of Disney the way that I do. They're not liking Disney correctly. (laughs) Yeah. As we speak, they're not liking Disney correctly. So does that mean there are like Orthodox Disney fans and like Protestant Disney fans and like Catholic Disney fans? I mean, like, I I, I don't know about relative Protestant, but maybe, maybe Orthodox and reform or Mm. (laughs) fundamental and reform. So this this all takes us into the big question of every fandom, and and that is the why. Why? Okay, so here we are, the why. And the first thing I'm going to throw out there is sheer ubiquity. Sheer ubiquity. Sheer ubiquity. Oh, sheer ubiquity. That makes more sense. Yes. yes. Sheer ubiquity is my uh, emo punk band. <laughs> <laughs> I work in a secondhand store. The amount of things that I see on a daily basis with, you know, cars or Frozen or Disney princesses or eh, not so much Mickey, Toy Story, anything. The sheer number of things that is under the Disney umbrella that have sunk into every every crack of pop culture is hard to avoid. Definitely. So whether you grew up with them or not, you grew up with them. You know, if you don't know what it is by a pretty young age, you feel like you're missing something. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a cultural uh, zeitgeist, my year. I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, Let's see. I, I think there's part of that zeitgeist there. But, like, it's even if you didn't grow up, like, the only way at this point it seems like you wouldn't be able to grow up with it is if you were growing up without any kind of media. 
maybe if you were just growing up with music, you could get, get around it because there aren't like, I guess there's still bands like the Jonas Brothers and Hannah Montana, so there's still like yeah. Disney quotes music. But if you want to be entertained in any way, you don't have to leave the Disney sphere. No. Like I don't know, I don't know how often people like only consume Disney things. I think at a certain point in like in uh, in people's childhoods, it's kind of a thing. Not necessarily by design; it just seems to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, like I think that it is part of the ubiquity, just because they've got that uh, that market cornered, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, when I think of my childhood, it is while it consisted of many other things, even absent-mindedly, it consisted of many Disney things. Goof like, Troop. What, uh, yeah, that's already way too late, though. Really? Well, like gummy bears. Yeah. Like that much earlier on, probably uh, the Little Mermaid, the Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. Ducktales. Duck. Yeah, yeah. Later. Later again. Ducktales. Darkwing Duck. Um, yeah. Recess. Oh yeah. 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 But Doug. even thinking about movies. <laughs> Latter half of Doug. Latter half of. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but even thinking about other movies, right. it's like the Santa Claus. Uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. I was not a big Mary Poppins. I watched Mary Poppins when I was really, really young. Okay. Hmm. And then that just continues as you get older, right? Like, as an adult, I'm not watching Inside Out because it's a Disney movie. I mean, I'm part. I mean, I am because Disney's really good at their job. Yeah. But I mean, I'm watching it because it's a movie that's for the entire family. That's a touching movie that makes me feel things. I'm watching Zootopia because it's about a cartoon rabbit. <laughs> that is like a police officer, and that's interesting for some reason. I don't know why. I'm watching it anyway. Breaking out of stereotypes. These are good movies. Disney yeah. did not get to where it is by making a bunch of bad yeah. movies. I'm watching <laughs> Moana because it's got The Rock <laughs> and Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda, and it's a really good movie. And I know I didn't mention the female protagonist who's really good, but I, I don't remember her name. Ali Cravalho? 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 Yeah, I think so, yeah. I'm just making a guess based on what you said. I believe that was her first movie, man. Oh, yeah. They had, like, a featurette for her at some point. It was really cool to see. She's like, oh, it's like, yeah, I'll audition. It's like, yeah, we're going to make you a princess. (laughs) (laughs) Man. And there's there's that. Right? Like, ignoring the ubiquity, for young girls, there's this idea that it's like, you could be a Disney princess. Yeah. A lot of little girls like that idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it feeds into that that fantasy of the princess but i mean then there are also disney movies that like take that trope and poke fun at it like tangled does that to some extent ever after does that quite a bit is that the one with uh, amy adams no that's ella enchanted yeah ever after is the one where it's like half animated half live action oh oh that is drew barrymore in it i believe i think so wait wait what that one is half animated. I'm pretty sure it is. Hmm. I remember that there is a Disney movie that's half animated, half live action, and it's basically all about subverting the, up to then anyway, and maybe even up to now, trope of the Disney princess. Okay, I thought that was Enchanted, but it could, I mean, it could be both. That's true. Yeah. I don't think Disney would limit themselves to one movie on one topic. Otherwise, they would not have as much stuff out there. Ever After is not a Disney film. Really? Oh, man. 20th Century Fox. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Never mind. I know which... I'm pretty sure it's Enchanted with Amy Adams. Enchanted, which is different from Ella Enchanted. Ah, that's my bad. What is Ella Enchanted? You know what? These are the wrong questions. Ella Enchanted is uh, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Oh, I never saw that one. Hmm. 
but like there's this idea that you could be a disney princess i was reading an article that was admittedly talking about um diversity in disney and could have done a whole episode on that still can still can (laughs) i do do actually have too late i do actually have a little bit of, of data on that um which i'll bring up not in a whatever I, I do have a little bit of data on that that i'll bring up mm-hmm. but it was talking about um a 2009 study from the university of central florida in orlando surprising what? looked at the impact of animated characters on young girls self-image after watching clips of cartoon characters who were princesses many of the girls involved in the research aged three to six reported that they would need to change their hair color clothes and skin color oh wow which was interesting mm-hmm. cheaper scrapers but like if if you're already white then hey <laughs> lucky you i mean like privilege yes but yeah yeah, yeah. actually uh, as far as disney princesses go 71 percent of the disney princesses are caucasian hmm. yeah do you think and this, i think this is another part of the why the uh, the fairy tale connection um because like in making these adaptations of fairy tales you're not you're not just giving your uh, your fan base something to discuss you know regarding the adaptation versus the original or you know why why aren't disney adaptations of fairy tales true to their their brutal germanic you know truths or whatever um but you've also got that in there too to some extent where a lot of the at least a lot of the early disney movies were based on european folklore yes which i guess necessarily means that they would be pretty white yeah i mean there were there were (laughs) fairy tales available from other parts of the world oh yeah oh yeah i mean like kind of to their credit later on they did wind up having some that have like people who are i guess (laughs) boy off white um like esmeralda in uh the hunchback of notre dame well she's a she's a gypsy right yeah yeah potentially mother gothel in uh tangled maybe sort of yeah seems like she could be like maybe from spain or like somewhere in southern Europe rather than northern Europe. Big difference. I mean, Aladdin, I believe, is from the Thousand One Nights. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been around for a long time. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, and all the owns right hand is Christian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Well, I, again, I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole, not because it's not interesting, it but is, because it's its yeah. own giant yeah. topic of discussion. It'd be like yep. talking about Barbie and and. <laughs> diversity image yeah Yeah. and just that you can do just that yeah um yeah getting getting back a little bit to uh to to what what i had said (laughs) about uh the the fairy tale connection um i found this article with a with a very long title that was all about how women were depicted in disney movies looking and specifically when the the women are like the captors rather than the captives. So it was looking specifically at Tangled and Mother Gothel, and it was drawing comparisons between, like, why she is so evil, well, the Beast, who basically does very similar things with Belle, is not. And, like, how the depictions differ, how they're similar, um, you know, what it ultimately seems to suggest. And, like, that in itself, I think, feeds into the fandom because there's just so much Disney that you can very easily go beyond what it's adapting when you're ta- when you're having discussions about themes and that sort of thing like you can just talk about comparing movies it's like taking aspects of things that would usually be curative this character is a villain this character is in the middle this character is a hero 
and sort of making them transformative because you're having these discussions and you're sort of like hashing things out and you're working on interpretations, which doesn't seem to really exist in too many of the other fandoms that we've covered so far. Too many women like Disney for it to be entirely curative. Really? Hmm. I think that's, that's what fair. I think. Oh. I think men tend to be more curative. Yeah. And women more transparent. I mean, we did talk about that in another episode, did we not? Oh, yes. sorry. I just misunderstood what you what you had said. Like, like in general, there's too many people who like it for it just to be like an insulated sort of just the facts, you know? Mm-hmm. But specifically, so many women like Disney and women tend to be the transformative ones. Yeah. Oh, yes. That just made me think, like, I wonder if the people who write Once Upon a Time are, like, transformative creators who now have, like, a new canvas to, to do that with. Yeah. Because mm. I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time is, is yeah. like, a Disney production or one of its many oh, subsidiaries. Mm, oh, probably. The, they're all in there. <laughs> all, all the Disneys are in there. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more and more added all the time. <laughs> There was like a season about Frozen after that came out, I believe. Yeah, there was. Mulan's in there at some point. It's a, it's a big party and everybody is invited, basically. Everybody from the fairy tale slash Disney worlds. Right. I, I don't think that fairy tale is the whole story behind Disney fandom, though. Or, no? like I don't think it's that it's actually that big. Because when you look at, and maybe I'm reaching out onto a branch that, mm-hmm. that I really shouldn't, but like Pixar... Or even um, Disney animated uh, Disney Animation Studios, because they've mm-hmm. done things like um, I think Meet the Robinsons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you look at those movies, those aren't based on any fairy tales whatsoever. Or, or Big Hero Six. That's another good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You've got lots of stories that aren't based on fairy tales whatsoever, and you have people that love those things. Talk about The Incredibles. People are like Gaga over that. <laughs> You, yes. you talk to a like six, five or six year old child, they love cars. Cars does not have people in it. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be Lightning McQueen. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. You want to yeah. be a car. <laughs> Based on my anecdotal research. Oh. Uh, cars was top dog in terms of merchandise. Yep. For a very long time until Frozen. <laughs> It's uh, it is one of the Disney movies that it like is a very profitable franchise, but is not a very popular franchise. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like them; they're not good movies. That was <laughs> I, I remember that being the first Pixar one where people were like, eh. <laughs> "Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely true." Disney has done a ton of stuff on like every side of the the fence between fairy tale and non fairy tale, but I, I kind of wonder if part of that is just them. Like, they're so big. Even before they they tapped into stuff like Meet the Robinsons or The Incredibles or Cars, that it was just what they wanted to do to sort of play against type, to, to go from covering all this classical stuff from your fairy tales to um, literally classical music with the Fantasias to this more, I guess, realistic stuff. Although, I mean, they were doing that earlier too with, uh, with Goofy and Goof Troop because he... Apparently, the original joke was that um, Goofy was in this this broken marriage, where like he Sorry, would. Did you say was, the joke? Well, I I guess it was the joke because in the original, either like the original show or the original comic or something, something with Goofy as the main character, there was at least an episode or a, a strip or some sort of contained story where um, 
like his wife winds up sick in bed or whatever. And so he has to stay at home and like, you know, hold down the fort, so to speak, preparing meals and all that stuff through a, a, a course of zany events. He winds up um, like decked out like his wife and throughout the day, like the mailman comes to the door and uh, Goofy opens the door and he's greeted with a big kiss on the lips. Later on, the milkman comes to the door and Goofy opens the door and he's greeted with a big kiss on the lips. And, like, there's just this super heavy implication that, like, Goofy is in this marriage on the verge of divorce. And it's it's a super weird, super of its time thing, like, of the of the era of take my wife, please, kind of thing. Man, oh, man. But, like, I mean, that's not necessarily grounded in fairy tales. That's, like, Disney with its characters who you suspect and expect to be very innocent in situations that are not innocent or much less innocent than you would expect. Man. Disney's huge. It's it's really hard to pin things down to like specific eras. So point I was trying to make about it playing against type probably does not hold up. So I'm not sure that it's had a type since it, it has those. It's, I guess if I had to sum it up, sum up my, my point, um, if we're looking strictly at the content that Disney makes, like the animated movies, the animated TV shows, the animations period, I think Disney was probably the first big group, big creator to successfully pull off that trick in family entertainment where there are jokes and gags that the kids are going to get, but then there are also jokes and gags and maybe like implications that appeal more to what an adult is looking for, what an adult may find interesting or funny or engaging. Well, I feel like like we know that primary target for Disney for a lot of Disney movies is kids. Yes. Who will be going to the theater with probably a parent. Yeah. And going to Disneyland. Yeah. What have you. Yep. So there's that, but there's also like a, a strong connection of people who are not kids of like um, watching Disney movies make them feel like kids. Yes. There's that like, like the an innocence. Yeah. Or sense of wonder, at, you know. That's some of it. Some of it may be nostalgia for when they watch the same movies when they're kids, but even like the new movies have a have have a way of speaking. As you were talking about earlier, T, some like Inside Out that it's like it can, it can actually speak to everyone using the same words. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not talking down to anyone. Like I I love that scene in Inside Out where they're going. It's like oh, we'll take the shortcut through here. It's like oh no, we're being abstracted. <laughs> <laughs> or just like slightly later on where they're like. Oh no, we got we mixed up these ideas and facts. It's like, is that a problem? It's like not usually. <laughs> man, oh man! Like that just goes over a kid's head. <laughs> yeah, but as an adult, it's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's it's not necessarily a thing that's like 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 it's two movies in one where one is for the adults and one is for the kids. No, like everyone's invested in the same story. Yeah, but um, sort of on different levels. It's using emotions, which everyone has, <laughs> regardless of age. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that I, I came across um, regarding the park a little bit more than, like, the uh, the animated stuff. But uh, definitely there's this sense that people went to, to Disneyland um, when they were kids in, like, the 70s and 80s, whatever. And whatever their circumstances were in life outside of those trips to Disney, like, those trips to Disney were magical and wonderful so then later on when they grow up, 
whether they have kids or whether they don't have kids, they want to go back and experience that again. And they can because they can just go back to Disneyland, to Disney World, to all sorts of other parks at this point related to Disney and like go on the same rides or see the same exhibits, go on the new rides. Yeah. And sort of experience the whole thing again, but like with certain little tweaks that keep it fresh and new. Or as parents or grandparents. Yeah. Watching yeah. your children or grandchildren experience what you did when you watched yes. those movies. It's like, ah, it's yeah. everything old is new again. Yeah. Uh, one such person who was inspired by the Disney films, mm-hmm. one Osamu Tezuka. Oh. oh, that's true. The creator of Astro Boy. Yeah. F- a few little facts from themovieblog.com, an article called How Walt Disney Influenced Anime. As a child growing up in the 1930s and 1940s, Osamu Tezuka adored Walt Disney. He's said to have watched the 1942 Disney film Bambi more than 80 times. Wow. He also enjoyed Dumbo and the post-World War II Uncle Scrooge comics. <laughs> Under the influence of the animated full-length Disney feature films of his youth, Tezuka became the first anime artist to tell stories in a manner that was cinematic in scope. Hmm. Where other artists have been simplistic and guileless in their storytelling, Tezuka was intensely active and highly emotional in his. He wasn't afraid to use several pages to explore a scene in detail. Hmm. So it's like imagination and emotion yeah. are probably like the top things that, that Disney brings to everyone and brought to, to animation in general. Anime would be very different if we didn't have <laughs> Disney films. Yeah, for sure. Brought the bold lines, round heads, and large expressive eyes of Disney characters. Yes, and mm-hmm. those have definitely been the thing for a long time in anime now. They, yeah. they caught on, you could say. Yeah, they, they definitely <laughs> did. Oh, yes. When I was doing my research, I ended up coming up with a lot of like weird little hairy ends, which don't help to tell the story of the why. It does help to tell the story of a lot of interesting fans, but not so much on the the why. I found out about ungangs. Ungangs? Ungangs. So they're, they're like um, talking about the, not the ubiquity, but like the broad appeal, I guess, I guess that ties it in the broad appeal um, of Disney and its various films. There was this one article on Boing Boing uh, called Disneyland's Ungangs. And it was talking about these who you might say are unconventional fans of Disney. And I'll, I'll read this quote because I think it paints a better picture. Michael Stout, an L.A.-based barber, is the co-founder of the Main Street Elite, one of the most visible clubs. We started the Main Street Elite with the intention of bringing people together for their common love. Some would say obsession with Disney and the Disney parks, he says. Being heavily tattooed and having somewhat of an, quote, alternative image compared to the average Disney-goer, it was hard for us to mesh with the families you usually see at the park. So we decided we'll make our own Disney family, seeking out the rest of the Disney fanatics who were left with no one to go to the park with. And they also talk in that article about, um, I think it was goths being in, like, Tomorrowland and um, (laughs) just some other people cool and it's because you've got these these different groups of people who still love disney even though it's very family oriented very pg very Mm -hmm. um pollyanna very pollyanna yeah for the most part and then you've got this group of people who i'm like i'm assuming based on the way it's described like i don't know maybe like mohawks and and like very punk yeah and they're like nope we love disney too (laughs) fandom fandom is not care Mm mm-hmm that, that kind of reminds me of, like, the, the communities of people waiting in line to see Star Wars. 
Oh, like you have people in costume and you have people who have just like seen the, the originals. They want to see the new ones and you've just got the regular fans. And... Yeah, they, like little groups form of the people who are waiting in line for multiple days <laughs> prior to the Star Wars movies coming out. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, banding together for a cause. Yeah. I know you said banding together for a cause as like C-A-U-S-E, but I thought of C-O-S as in a cosplay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's also that. Yeah. Coming at it from the, the other side for a brief second, I found out on fan lore that the Disney Channel has openly admitted that it has a shared universe between certain shows because every now and then they've run like movies or sets of episodes where a bunch of different shows will cross over. And similarly, but a little reaching a little bit further out, you know, beyond just Disney being perhaps aware of what fans are are looking for are doing are into i also found out about gay days at disneyland sorry just you said gay days right i did say gay days okay i wasn't sure because you could have said gate days which also would not have been clear but you're going to explain <laughs> so that would help yes absolutely every year in early june since 1991 oh wow disney unofficially has this thing called a gay day now it's gay days because it covers the whole weekend or a whole weekend, rather, since it sort of moves around a little bit. Um, but it's this day where the park sort of, I, I don't know how it would do this unofficially, but it unofficially welcomes the LGBTQ community, and they tend to go wearing red shirts so that like they can identify each other. And yeah, it's just this day where a bunch of people come to the park, openly express their, their sexuality through the, the wearing of these shirts. And yeah, it's just this thing that happens and i guess disney gives it its blessing although it hasn't made it an official thing i mean i mean if they wanted it to not happen they would have done something about it <laughs> yeah well i mean I, I think disney has some hand in it being like in being okay with it because uh, cast members are known to uh, band together and go march in pride parades um apparently disney is is pretty good with uh with supporting its lgbtq uh, cast members and employees so, like, despite what some people might think of Disney and sort of associate it with that uh, 1950s apple pie America, they seem to be fairly progressive in some ways, at least. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I think that understanding coming from a big corporation like Disney invites people in, in a way. It makes them feel like there's a little bit more care and attention going into things than just, you know well, you'll come here as a child and then you'll come back with your own children and we're playing the long game. (laughs) Kind of thing. I think Disney believes in perfect price discrimination. You know, capture money at every part of the the funnel. (laughs) I want to drink (laughs) (laughs) $50,000. Yep. Well, gee, do you know it's not going to cost you $50,000? What's that? Hopefully not being in, in the fandom at all. Uh, that's right. We're moving on to the part where we talk about in or out. In or out. Would you be more into this fandom or less into that fandom? It's totally up to us to decide what that means because it's often never the same for any of us. <laughs> Despite there seeming to be only two options, it's a very loosey goosey segment. Yeah. It gets more loosey goosey over time. It's fine. People could say they're in and be more out than people that said they're out. <laughs> That definitely, I think that happened last week. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to start with you. Gee, 
You, right. you in or out? Well, I got to start with the obligatory. I don't know if I could find a way out. How <laughs> do <laughs> you get out of Disney? Well, you uh, go to the turnstile and then into the parking lot, drive away. No, no, you, you're you're looking for your car in the itchy lot. Yeah, so, solved it. I'm in. I'll say. I'm in. Yeah? Yeah, like, like a lot of good movies. A lot of movies that I've really enjoyed seeing. I'm not going to stop seeing them, certainly. Um, I think I would like to go to Disney World or Land. Oh, you've never been? Never. Oh. Uh, I think it would be a really cool experience. And actually, according to some articles I read, a very hot experience. <laughs> I mean, princess movies are great. The, the the Pixar movies are great. The Disney Animation Studios movies are great. I will continue to see them as they come out. And again, I'll, I'll make the trip. But it might be still a solitary uh, pursuit for me. I don't know if I need to connect with, with other people who also like Disney. I mean, I, I find the Disney-bound idea interesting. Mm. It's like costume-esque attire. That's basically the whole idea for my uh, for my shop. <laughs> Low key cosplay. <laughs> yeah, like that idea. Uh, so, I intentionally say I'm in. I w- I would say, like, if someone were to ask me the question, "Are you a Disney fan?" I would probably respond yes, because I like what they do. I'm not anti Disney. Like, oh, friggin' corporate <laughs> sponsored by Pepsi and or Coke, both uh, conglomerate. Yeah, still. Well, probably. I mean, Disney's probably the real um, puppet master behind them both, you know? Uh, I mean, it really. I mean, if, if it's one, it's Coke, right? <laughs> you, go with, you go with the best. Um, but, uh, maybe maybe not in, in Paris, Disney. It's probably Pepsi there. It's scared to me that uh, when I do this segment, my answer doesn't actually have to be that long. So I'm going to say I'm in. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I usually have the benefit of not being first, so I have time to compose an answer. I never do. Go ahead, T. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm in. I am in because I love watching movies that make me feel things. How's that for a pithy answer, jerks? <laughs> no, like... D- Disney's like top of the class in that arena. Yeah. It's got a, a broad sense of humor that's family-friendly, and while that's not always important to me, it's always reassuring and reliable. I can go back and watch DuckTales, and even though the plots are probably really simplistic, they're still fun. I really enjoyed Darkwing Duck. Hey, and I and I hope they reboot that, and because they rebooted Ducktales, there's the window. <laughs> it's probably going to be great. Some of my fondest memories watching TV are watching Disney stuff, and I love Aladdin and The Lion King, and many other Disney movies. So I'm definitely in. Like you, I will probably continue to be mostly a solitary fan, or at the very least, uh, I don't think I will ever approach the level of fandom where I am, you know, on everything Disney, going to the D23 Expo <laughs> kind of thing. But I'm in. Well, right leaves me me who am also in (laughs) (laughs) yeah shocker of shockers uh well i mean the twist in my answer that uh slightly slightly sets it apart from your both of your answers just want to get into club 33 (laughs) no actually no actually um i would say i'm in in the sense that I'm going to continue to watch Disney movies and, like, somewhat actively seek them out, you know? Like, it's not just, oh, there's this thing in the theater, I'm, I'm going to go do it, or, like... It, it, it It's never really been, at, at least, you know, 
since becoming an adult. It's never really been a passive thing consuming Disney stuff for me, but I plan on continuing to do so. But I would say that it's definitely going to continue to be a solo thing. I mean, if I if I met somebody in, in the line for something and they were talking about something Disney or like they had like a, a cool Disney pin on their backpack or something, you know, I'd, I'd maybe strike up a conversation. But I'm not going to be going on uh, on the live journal communities or uh, writing up fanfic or anything like that. Uh, well, probably not anyway. I'd say I'm in. Club 33? Yeah, I mean, sounds like it could be kind of cool, but that is not a fandom goal of mine. Hmm. Although it would be kind of neat to go in there and confirm whether or not the uh, the tiles in the windows have eerily similar uh, designs on them to the designs you would find in a Masonic Lodge. I bet that's not true. What is with all the... Mm. The what? Why? Why all the conspiracy theories, see? Because Walt Disney was working with the Illuminati to control the world through, through pop culture entertainment. I was doing a great job. <laughs> is it, is it, <laughs> while I'm not an active member of, uh, of like, you know, Disney communities, I thought you were going to say the Illuminati. Um, I can't talk about that. Is <laughs> um, it weird to say that I'm glad that lots of people are? I don't know. I feel like for a while emotion wasn't cool like yeah like emotion like earnestness and happiness yeah wasn't cool like maybe that was just being a young person a teenager (laughs) or or maybe that was just like the zeitgeist but i like that people just sort of embrace that feeling yeah instead of being like a lamos for babies Well, speaking of, of, quote, lamos for babies, <laughs> I actually have a spotlight that can tie this together. Ooh. Oh, I can't wait. I want to hear about some lamos for babies. Spotlight. This week's spotlight, spotlight being the part of the show where we uh, try to shine a light on an interesting cause or just something interesting fanish that we came across. I have two. One of the spotlights that I came across is waltdisneyconfessions.tumblr.com and it is what you might expect. It is people confessing different things that they think or feel about Disney. And a lot of them are, are, are quite insightful. They're about um, they're not just limited to old things or loves of shows past. They, they talk about all sorts of different things. A bunch of them in the most recent pile are talking about uh, Beauty and the Beast. But there's one on the first page that I went through talking about Lamos and Babies. Uh, where the confession is, I grew up with a dad stuck hardcore in the animation is for five-year-olds mindset, and he would constantly reprimand me if he caught me watching Disney or some other animation. Having witnessed how insanely popular Disney is and how many adults actually watch it now, thanks to the internet, it really was a comfort to learn it's not abnormal at all. But to this day, it still annoys me that I have to be careful not to watch a Disney film so my dad sees it. Mm-hmm. That's the tie, but it's really there's just a lot of really interesting stories about people's experiences and and whatnot some of them are complaints and that's fine but a lot of them are are just interesting stories Hmm. the other spotlight i had was was not related to disney whatsoever but i thought it was neat and it's called fandom give back fandom give back is i want to say like us in the one sense in that it raises interest in different causes 
it's like a meta kind of thing. So on their about us page, it's aimed at bringing fans together in the name of good causes, designed to lessen fandom tension and defend every fan's basic rights while raising money to fund charities of choice. So right now, as an example, they're raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, but their vision is uh, multifaceted, uh, as mentioned, to lessen tensions, to allow fans an arena in which to share their views, opinions, and creation without fears of backlash, also known as WANK, which I think we've talked about briefly on some other shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, to raise funds for charitable donations through collective fan enterprise, to create awareness of the positive aspects of fandom, and to inspire positivity, creativity, and goodwill. Not a super specific charity or, or fandom, but I thought it was neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, if you want to check that out, you can go to fandomgiveback.com. And uh, I think they're also trying to help out uh, with a, a different convention. What is it? HowlerCon, which I don't know anything about. I'm literally reading it on their website. Mm. And, of course... As this is not to be forgotten at all, mm-hmm. because it is rapidly coming up. You might say that we're in a race against time. I would say that. Oh. <laughs> because we are in a race against time. On August 12th, starting at 10 a.m. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should Do, do you want to do it? <laughs> You're most of the way there. All right. Well, August 12th, 2017, at 10 a.m., we... The next cast are going to be playing Chrono Trigger for a period of 24 hours, trying to get all its endings, the number of which changes every time we do this plug. I think it's 13? I think it's 13 in the Super Nintendo version. Let's call it 13. It's 13. Trying to get all those endings. And while we were doing so, we'll be raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Uh, last year we raised over $1,200, was it? That is correct. And we are definitely hoping to beat that this year. The easiest way to know what's happening is to go to twitch.tv slash time and hit that follow button and you'll know the second we are live or the second we are testing stuff. <laughs> oh, probably many, many occasions between now and then. You can also check out uh, raceagainsttime.io where we'll be posting different blog updates and uh, give some details about the event before the event happens. Like uh, we have Fangamer helping us out again this year. So they will be donating a number of Lavos and gate key keychains uh and during the race against time a portion of any sales of those items will be going towards the alzheimer society of canada uh, and that is just one of many announcements that we have to come in the upcoming month ish to the event heck yeah yeah be there and be square enix holy <laughs> 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 moly <laughs> lavos rinse repeat mm-hmm. otherwise if uh, you're listening to us on iTunes, and you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. This uh, podcast will drop right into your feed without you having to click any darn thing. Um, we'd also appreciate it if you'd like to leave a, a rating or review uh, for the podcast on iTunes. If you go over to youtube.com slash the Nixcast, I think you'll find literally frillions of interviews <laughs> that we've done over the past little bit. Time drops. We should have all the stuff we record at YetiCon and... A good portion of the stuff from the Sailor Moon celebration. It's it's probably all up there now, is what I say. Go check <laughs> it out at youtube.com slash the Nixcast. Yeah. If you like all the cool content we produce, if you like Phanthropological, if you like to hear the interesting interviews that we have with cosplayers, uh, voice actors, different fanish causes like Cosplay for a Cure, uh, you can help us out by becoming a patron of the Nixcast. If you check out patreon.com slash the Nixcast, you can see all of our stuff. We post any of the public videos that we do on YouTube, all of our podcasts. If you are a patron, you might even be able to get 
early access to content that we produce and to find out all the fun stuff that we're up to before it happens as opposed to just hey here it happened uh, even as little as a dollar a month can hugely help us out so check that out patreon.com slash the next cast and if you'd like to check us out on twitter you can check us out at the next cast you can also find what we're chatting about by using the hashtag fanthro that's hashtag f-a-n-t-h-r-o well that's it guys we we did a season yeah putting in the the reps things words we did season three we did season three yeah six seasons in a movie no we're not doing that we're we're not doing that (laughs) let's hold on the movie for a little bit yeah could be a documentary (laughs) not sure Sure. not sure what that would cover (laughs) i i hope that everybody who's listening has really enjoyed the season and i'm really looking forward to next season because we're 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 gonna have a lot of fun with our our theme for next next season already got my boarding pass already got your boarding pass eh i i was hoping to pull a uh, top gear and just drive yeah yeah like that time that they drove to the North Pole. <laughs> I'm just going to drive across the ocean. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll get that James Bond submarine car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you just drive fast enough. Yeah. Uh, next season, we will be taking a fan's eye view around the world, traveling from country to country, trying to find interesting fandoms from those countries, uh, whether they're the origin of or just the biggest topic of discussion in those countries so we've got some interesting fandoms planned that's right not only we'll be talking about um popular fandoms in other parts of the world we'll also be talking about like what fandom is like in other parts of the world you know do they have cons or their cons different what are they like like what uh, how do people express their their fandominity <laughs> elsewhere on the one hand i thought of phenomenity well that <laughs> i couldn't even say that word but when you s- said that before i was thinking of um Hollywood stars, what are they? Hollywood certain celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll be taking a travel around the world starting uh, in... Were you born in the UK, G? No. No, no I was not. Oh, okay. No. But we'll be starting in the UK. That's right. Yep. Jolly old England. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. with a... Covering s- a thing. Yeah. <laughs> we also have a lot of cool things planned for next season. If you're a patron... You're going to find out what they are ahead of time. But if not, it's only a short wait till the next season. Um, We're going to take a one-week break, and then we're back at it. I say one-week break like it means something, but there's probably going to be our uh, Let's Plays and any additional footage that comes up between now and then. Yeah, if you're you're jonesing for a little next cast fix in that week off, you can uh, head over to the Brain Trust Bros and their uh, The Peanut Gallery podcast. Uh, T and I are on episode 11, just kind of uh, shooting the breeze and talking about kind of why we we do this podcast yeah also some of our favorite movies and some of our favorite movies as well yep well i can't speak on behalf of all the next but i can say that i'm really proud of the work that we did this season and i'm looking forward to next season so much i don't i don't know what you guys feel about it i mean i agree i think i think this is going to be interesting i think we're going to keep trying to like i don't know push outside our boundaries a little bit find out stuff we wouldn't normally know anyway yeah i'm really uh, looking forward to filling my passport up with all the different uh customs stamps we'll be getting Stay tuned for a black box recording of uh, of the next cast next season. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.
you've got lots of Disney movies to choose from. Magic Kingdom, Tinkerbell. Perhaps. Fireworks. Do you want it to be musical? (laughs) Please just say words. Um, Hmm. No. Uh, Dang. I don't. We'll get sued. (laughs) Use that shin of yours. You wish upon a part. (laughs) It's odd. Straight or odd. Uh, Maybe you will laugh a lot or cry, but at least you probably will not die. (laughs) I'm not actually the lyrics, but be our guest. Oh, if, like Ooh. if guest and listener were much, much closer together, but they are very different sounding words. I see what's happening here. You're face to face with greatness, and it's strange. Don't even know how it's adorable. Thin. It's adorable. <laughs> the hand of God, when you're staring at a demigod, <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome? A wonderful world you know. Well, live from the next cast of Anthropological Institute, it's one hour of karaoke. <laughs>